Hi, this is Al Aguilar, and you're listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. It's Sunday, July 16th, and this is your Sunday sermon. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. Last Sunday, we began a brand new sermon series called Win the Day, and it's based on the best-selling book of the same title by Pastor Mark Batterson. I shared with you that over these next weeks, seven to be exact, we'll be unpacking seven habits that will help you stress less and accomplish more. Last Sunday in part one, it was titled Flip the Script, and the whole idea was that if you want to change your life, you have to change your story. Today is part two, and it's titled Kiss the Wave, and we'll find out that in order to do that, you have to face your fear, stand your ground, and hold your peace. Are you ready? All right, let's go! Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just bless you today. Thank you for the privilege we have to gather to hear your word. Lord, I pray that you'll grant us wisdom and understanding. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and Amen. In the book of Numbers 1 and 2, there's a mention of a man named Nashon, or Nashon. He's the chieftain of the tribe of Judah. He's the great-great-great-grandfather of King David. He disappears almost as soon as he makes his debut, but Nashon is credited with saving the nation of Israel by one act of courage. After the exodus out of Egypt, the Israelites are trapped between a rock and a hard place, the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. No one knows what to do. There's no way out. That's when God issues a counterintuitive command. Tell the people of Israel to get moving. Our scripture today is Exodus chapter 14, and you can find those words in verse 15, in fact. The problem was, though, that there was no way forward. According to rabbinic literature, this is when Nashon steps up. He was the only one among the Israelites to obey the command of Moses to descend into the waters and courageously enter the waves, trusting that the promised miracle would occur and the sea to be parted. Nashon wades into the Red Sea until he is neck deep, right up to his nostrils. This is when and how and where the Red Sea splits in half. God is the one who makes a sidewalk through the sea, but it was Nashon who made the miracle possible. How? By wading into the water. And as a result, look at Psalm 114. It says, The Red Sea saw them coming and hurried out of their way. The water of the Jordan River turned away. Again, that's Psalm 114, verse 3. There's an old axiom that I shared with you last week. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. Here's one more along the same lines. If you want God to make a sidewalk through the sea, wade into the water. Most of us spend most of our lives waiting for God to split the Red Sea. Maybe, just maybe, God is waiting for you to get your feet wet. Maybe, just maybe, God is waiting for you to wade into the water. Here's what I know for sure. If you want God to do the super, you've got to do the natural. You have to take a calculated risk. You have to make a defining decision. You have to take a flying leap of faith. That's all it takes for God to make a sidewalk through the sea, but you have to kiss the wave. The first step is always the hardest step. Why? Because you have to overcome the law of inertia by exercising initiative. You have to overcome fear by exercising faith. You have to take the first step before God reveals the second step. That's what Nashon does. And you have to wade into the water, if necessary, right up to your nostrils. All right, if you have your Bible or Bible app and you haven't already done it, open up to Exodus 14. We're going to read the first nine verses. Exodus 14, 
verses 1 through 9, and let's see what's happening. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by P. Hararoth between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from the Baal Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They're trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all these Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers, and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pi-Hararoth, across from Baal-Zephon. So the Israelites are now trapped between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. It seems like a no-win situation, death by sword or death by drowning. Put yourself in their sandals for a second. Imagine the sound of the horses and chariots. The entire Egyptian army is coming at you full throttle. What do you do? Do you stay or do you run? Verse 10 of the text says, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. Folks, this is a time when leaders lead. This is when spirit-led leaders stay calm and carry on. This is when spirit-filled leaders step up and step in. And that's what Moses is. That's what Moses does. Look at verses 13 and 14. Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. I recently read a story about a man who suffered from migraine headaches. His moments of relief were few and far between. He had seen specialists. He tried every treatment plan. Nothing seemed to help too much for too long. The pain became so debilitating that he had to resign from the church he was pastoring. A friend of his asked how he managed his emotions along with the physical pain. And the man said, I've learned to kiss the wave. Well, his friend kind of looked at him quizzically, like, what are you talking about? And he went on to explain, he was quoting the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon once said, I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Every circumstance from the greatest of joys to the deepest of sorrows is an opportunity to discover new dimensions of God's character. Instead of trying to change the past, which is impossible, what if we leveraged its lessons to change ourselves? Any obstacle you encounter is not the enemy. The obstacle is, in fact, the way. So it's time to kiss the wave. Here's how you do it. You face your fear. You take your stand. You hold your peace. First up, let's talk about facing your fear. If you've got the Egyptian army coming at you full speed, it's fight or flight. Am I right? Yet Moses says in verse 13, don't be afraid. That's easier said than done, no doubt. But courage is not the absence of fear. Fear is a prerequisite. The question is, how do you manage fear in moments like that? According to psychologists, we're only born with two fears. One is the fear of falling. The other is the fear of loud noises. Every other fear is learned, which means every other fear can be unlearned. Faith is a process of unlearning fear. How? 1 John 4.18 says, Perfect love expels all fear 
or as some other translations say, perfect love drives out all fear. If you fear God, which is the beginning of wisdom, according to Proverbs 1.7, it means to hold God in highest esteem, to revere God above all else. In other words, if you fear God, you don't have to fear anything else. The fear of God is the cure for every other fear. So let me push that envelope a little bit more. Pick a fear, any fear. The cure for the fear of failure is not success. The cure for the fear of failure is failure in small enough doses that you build up immunity to it. You need to identify the type of fear that you're dealing with. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of intimacy, fear of the future, fear of certain social situations. You have to identify it so that you don't avoid it. You actually expose yourself to it in small ways so that you build up some immunity to it. You wade into the water like Nashon did. Nine times out of ten, failure is poorly managed success, and success is well-managed failure. For some of us, one of the greatest things that could happen to us is for the thing we fear to actually happen because it will set you free. And let me add one more thing to the mix. We are a faith community. We eat faith for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What is the net result? We dream big, pray hard, and think long. We go after God-sized goals. We elevate and activate each other's faith, and it creates a barrier against fear. One final thought on facing your fear. All of us want a miracle. None of us wants to be in a situation that necessitates a miracle, but you can't have one without the other. Here's the good news. When you experience a setback, you do not take a step back because God is already preparing your comeback. What does God say to Moses in verse 4? He says, I have planned this in order to display my glory. God is going to put his glory on display, beloved, one way or the other. The next step to kiss the wave is to stand your ground. Look at verse 13. In verse 13, with the Egyptians fast approaching, Moses tells the people to do what? It says, stand still, as in be still and know that I am God, kind of still. The NIV says, stand firm, as in having done all to stand, stand firm. The Amplified Bible says, take your stand. The Good News Translation says, stand your ground. Whichever way you slice it, what is the hardest thing to do if the Egyptian army is coming at you full speed? Yup, you guessed it. The hardest thing to do is stand still. Now there's a scene from the movie Ford vs. Ferrari where Carroll Shelby, the race car driver played by Matt Damon, says, There's a point at 7,000 RPMs where everything fades. The machine becomes weightless. It just disappears. All that's left is a body moving through space and time. 7,000 RPMs, that's where you meet it. That's where you feel it. It creeps up on you, and it asks you a question. The only question that really matters. Who are you? I have no idea what thoughts are firing across his mind, but the mind of Moses is spinning about 7,000 RPMs. Where do you go? What do you do? I wonder if he has a flashback to the burning bush. Remember in Exodus 3 verse 11, Moses asked God the question, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Do you remember reading that? I love the way God answers the question by not answering the question Moses asked, but by answering the question Moses should have asked in the next verse, verse 12. God says, I will be with you. That's all we need to know. So it's 7,000 RPMs and Moses says, stand still. There are moments, my friends, when we discover who we are and who God is. This is so counterintuitive that it ranks right up there with something General Anthony McAuliffe said to American troops when they were surrounded by the enemy at the Battle of the Bulge. He said, men, we have the greatest opportunity ever afforded an army. We can attack in any direction. 
Now that's called flipping the script. That is kissing the wave. In crisis situations, I go back to ground zero. I go back to the foot of the cross. I make a beeline for the empty tomb. I go back to the promises I stand on, such as he who began a good work in me is going to carry it to completion. He is watching over his word to perform it. He is working all things together for good. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I sing songs like, Great is thy faithfulness, or Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I go back to the daily spiritual disciplines. Why? The only ceiling in our intimacy with God and impact on the world is daily spiritual disciplines. I try my best to stay grounded in God's word. I press in and pray through. That's how you stand your ground. Having done all to stand, you stand. You fight one more round. We should all have this core value. If you stay humble and stay hungry, there is nothing God cannot do in you and through you. That's how we stay in our lane. That's how we stay the course. The most underestimated kind of power is staying power. It's long obedience in the same direction. It's the cumulative effect of faith, hope, and love. It's the compound interest in prayer and fasting. On November 31st, 1517, Martin Luther posted his 95 theses on the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. Four years later, at the meeting of the Diet, which means Assembly of the Holy Roman Empire held at Worms, Germany, Luther was told to recant all that he had written. Instead, he said this, My conscience is taken captive by God's word. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand, I can do no other. We need that kind of moral courage, especially in this cultural moment. How do we kiss the wave? You ground yourself in the word of God. You anchor yourself to the promises of God. But you also embrace the pain and the suffering. You've got to learn the lesson and cultivate the character. You're probably familiar with the five stages of grief. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Let me add one more to the mix. According to author and expert in grief, David Kessler says there's a sixth stage. It's called meaning. You know, it feels kind of funny quoting German philosopher and existentialist Frederick Neitzel on this count. But Neitzel said, and I quote, He who has a why to live can bear almost any how. Indeed. Lastly, to kiss the wave, you need to hold your peace. There's an ancient tradition practiced in Orthodox churches called passing the peace. It's actually traced back to the Sermon on the Mount. If you're offering a gift and realize you're at odds with someone, Go and be reconciled. That's how you counteract racial tension and political polarization. You interrupt the pattern. You love your enemies. You pray for those who persecute you. You bless those who curse you. And when you pass the peace, heaven invades earth. But let me back up a step. It's really hard to pass the peace if you don't learn how to hold your own peace. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of people have lost their peace. One third of Americans struggle with anxiety or depression. How do we get it back? How do we hold your peace when it seems like the world is spinning off its axis, when the train is coming off the rails? As those who follow the Prince of Peace, we stay calm and we carry on. We are people who rebuke the wind and the waves. We say to the storm, peace be still. We don't take offense. We play offense. We don't react. We proact. How? As grace givers and peacemakers. That's how. And when we do, we shift the atmosphere. How do you hold your peace? One way you do it is by owning your past. If you don't own the past, the past owns you. 
You cannot change the past, but you can learn from it. Then you can bury it six feet deep. I don't know what you need to bury today, my friends, but it's time to kiss the wave. So the message this week is pretty simple, and let me draw this to a close. If you want to kiss the wave, if you want to wade into the water and get in there right up until your nostrils, you have to face your fear. You have to stand your ground. You have to hold your peace. There's nothing easy about those three things. They are easier said than done. I love what happens next, though. Look at verse 15 of the text. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. I love that. I'm not sure what step of faith you need to take today, my friends, but I do know this. The first step is the hardest step. You have to overcome the law of inertia by exercising initiative. You have to overcome fear by exercising faith. If you need marriage counseling, it's hard to wade into the water. If it's losing weight, it's hard to wade into the water. If you're training for a marathon, it's hard to wade into the water. If it's resolving conflict, it's hard to wade into the water. The first step is always the hardest step. But if you want God to do the super, you have to do the natural. If you want God to make a sidewalk through the sea, you have to wade into the water and kiss the wave. There are two kinds of people in the world, plotters and plotters. I better spell the difference for you. Plotters is with two T's. Plotters is with two D's. Plotters are those who see the far off future. They have vision beyond their resources. They set God-sized goals. They dream the unthinkable and attempt the impossible. I admire plotters with two T's, but I'll tell you who I admire even more. It's the plotters with two D's. These are the people who get up every morning and win the day. They stay humble. They stay hungry. They stay in their lane and they stay the course. Remember Nashon? He's the patron saint of plotters. What if he stopped after stepping in the water? Well, that didn't work. Or quit when he was waist deep. Uh, this isn't going to happen. What if he had stopped when the water reached his chin? Well, that was a waste of time and energy. We quit too soon. We give up too easily. Come on, church. As Hebrews 12:2 says, let's keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. In other words, Jesus kissed the wave for you and for me. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. It's time. Flip the script and kiss the wave. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.